0: Pastor Mai, good afternoon and welcome to Perspective on Manx Radio. I'm Dolan Mercer. Coming up on this week's edition, we rewind back to May.
1: I would like to ask the Minister for Infrastructure what plans he has to make bus travel free to encourage a reduction in car use.
2: And later in the programme. And creating a stable, reliable, dependent public transport service is the best way of sort of um, making sure that ordinary people are taken care of. Um, particularly when life is as uh, difficult as it is.
0: Describing itself as an environmental initiative that would improve the lives of working and middle-class families on the Isle of Man, we're going to hear all about the Fair Free campaign, which is calling for public transport on the island to be made free for all. Devon Watson, the spokesperson for that campaign, joins me in the studio. But first, let's remind ourselves of previous discussions about this issue. Back in May, Daphne Kane MHK asked a question about the impact of free bus travel on the island's environment. Her query was for the Infrastructure Minister in Timwold. Ahead of the sitting, Mrs. Kane told Alex Watton why she wanted to find out more
1: we've just had the launch of active travel we know there's a climate emergency one of the single biggest things the government could do to encourage people to leave their cars behind is by making bus travel free it reduces queues and keeps to timetable the buses are comfortable they have Wi-Fi. wifi it could, it could result in a real culture shift to get people out of their cars every full bus means 40 cars off the road we have an excellent bus service we've got you know The comfort of wi-fi so that longer journeys you can you can be working on the way and not worried about the traffic Um, and another benefit would be a reduction in traffic jams and also making the roads safer so that those people who are encouraged into active travel either cycling or walking or running to work the the roads are clearer and potentially a lot safer and less congested and a lot less fumes than, than we currently have. I'm sure there are many bus passengers that would be thrilled to hear that bus journeys could be free for a number of reasons that you've just outlined but how sort of realistic is that is that a bit of a tall order to ask from a department which is of course facing cost cuts here and there well they've they've been charged to save a million pound over three years um i think that the 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 if you take the amount that the buses cost us around nine million and the income of about three million i think i think there's about a th- £3 million cost extra for making them free, but then you wouldn't have the the various associated things to do with money collection or the card production or usage. So I'm not sure what plans he's had or whether any investigation has been carried out to cost out what a free public bus service on the Isle of Man would cost but actually it's not the cost it's the investment in all the other things to benefit the environment and to put a big marker up there and say the Isle of Man is serious about climate change and doing our best to, to move that culture away from reliance on the uh, single passenger cars
0: that was Daphne Kane MHK speaking to Alex Watton in May the idea of free public transport has cropped up on perspective before too Devon Watson of the Climate Change Coalition argued in favour of the idea, but
2: Manx Utilities chairman, Dr Alex Allenson, dismissed it. We all benefit from this. It doesn't necessarily have to be a generational divide. Is free public transport. This has been rolled in many places, gives people an alternative to owning a car. It connects villages with the cities themselves, gives people more economic opportunities. We raised these concerns to Tinwald and presentation, and not even two weeks later, they raised the prices that kids have to pay to use the bus and they cut bus services in villages in the north. This just shows that we aren't being taken seriously. Like in general, people will be polite. They'll smile. They'll nod along with us. They'll tell us to calm down and relax. But then they'll directly implement uh, actions and legislation that are directly against our interests.
3: Okay, but it, but if I can just say, there's no such thing as free public transport. It has to be paid by somebody. It has to be paid by the taxpayer. It's regrettable that prices had to go up. Completely, completely agree with you. The demand-responsive transport was actually. Part of it was to reduce CO2 emissions because you're not going to have empty buses driving around the north all the time with nobody using them. But what we need to do is actually look at the effects of public transport, trying to get people into more sustainable ways of of transportation and moving between, which is why part of the public consultation is talking about free public transport. But free public transport comes at a cost that has to be borne by the people. And again, if we're going to deal with this together as a nation, we need to respect that.
0: That was Devon Watson and Dr Alex Allenson, MHK, on a previous episode of Perspective. As I mentioned, the topic of free public transport was raised in Timwald in May. Here's an extract of that discussion. Question 29, Mrs Keane.
1: Thank you, Mr President. I would like to ask the Minister for Infrastructure what plans he has to make bus travel free to encourage a reduction in car use.
4: Minister to reply... Thank you, Mr. President. The Department is aware that this question currently forms part of the consultation being undertaken by our colleagues in the Department of Environment, Food, and Agriculture, the Climate Change Mitigation Strategy 2020 to 2030. Department looks forward to hearing the results of this public consultation and review this issue in light of the findings. Thank you. Thank you, Um,
1: the Minister. And I'm aware that was one of the questions in the consultation. I'd like to know if he would be so kind as to inform us whether his department has done any financial costing into the um, financial impact on his department of making bus travel free um, and whether he would um, agree that that would have a beneficial impact on other strategies the department is promoting, such as active travel, for instance.
4: Minister? Thank you. I suppose the elephant in the room on this is that um, Transport Services Division has a bus revenue target in the current year of 4028857 Obviously, in the event of any free bus travel, this loss of income would, would need to be recovered either through alternative revenue streams uh, within government or reduction in expenditure budgets. Uh, at the moment, that, that currently is, is not feasible. Obviously, an integrated strategy of transport is important. I think bus travel has plays a very important part. We are keen to increase the numbers um, but also increased revenue. Uh, but it also fits in with the other steps that we've taken in terms of, you know, the, the active travel and all of the other issues that form part of an overall integrated um, uh, transport strategy.
5: Ramsey, Dr.
3: Thank you, Mr. President. I'd like to thank the minister for um, his assertion that obviously his department is under financial pressure. Um, and to make savings, and and therefore revenue is very important. And obviously, while we wait for the consultation on climate change, would he agree that we need to challenge the culture of car travel? And one way that we might do that is if if the bus service offered, for instance, um, free child travel during summer holidays with the adult paying. And Would he he look into perhaps a pilot scheme of this to see if it actually increased um, passenger numbers during off-peak times and perhaps would increase revenue? Thank you, Mr. Peter.
4: Minister, thank you. Um, I think we're looking at a number of innovative ideas. Um, that that included, as well as, um, for example, um, certain times um, uh, free or encourage people to come out of their car uh, on a Friday and so forth. Uh, but what we're trying to do is two very difficult things at the same time. One's, one increase numbers, which I think is an environmental aspect because um, a, a bus is equivalent of quite a considerable number of cars. And uh, uh, however green they are. Um, But secondly, we are also important that we increase revenue, and it's a very, very difficult thing. And uh, obviously, that has been achieved in the last five years. We've seen revenue increase, I think, from 2.5 million and seen numbers increase to uh, 3.7 Annual, but I think we do need to be in it. I would also argue that um, we need to challenge ourselves, and I think this is an interesting debate in terms of the overall environmental context. Um, some of our perceptions, and all I would remind members is that the bus service is, is punctual, has Wi Fi, has contactless, it's convenient ticketing. It's, it's, it's a really, we should be rightly uh, proud, and it gets you from A to B when you need to. So. Um, I would encourage uh, those to use the buses and for short journeys, as you would expect me to say, active travel. Thank you, Mr. Thank you, Mr. President. I really get the uh, feeling from the Minister's answers that he's begrudging giving away free transport here. So maybe if he was to think about uh, reducing the prices, but doubling the numbers, or maybe tripling the numbers, in which case he's still got his income, but you'll get more people using it. Will he consider that? I think that's all, all very much part of, part of it. You know, it's part of the uh, elasticity of demand. You know, sometimes, um, you, you know, there are a number of people who do already go free or, or um, reduce fares. Um, but it, it is about um, understanding the fact that whilst most fares haven't actually increased um, since 2013, um, I think that's largely been driving the, the numbers. But it's also about providing a very good service. Some things aren't price sensitive. So um, it's a difficult balance... Um, to both increase revenue, increase patronage, but it also requires all of us to perhaps rethink in terms of environmental context. Maybe uh, maybe today I will take the bus. Um, you know, it, it's challenging our own lifestyles. It, it's challenging my lifestyle in the sense of saying, well, can we, can we do things
5: differently? Two short final supplementaries. Mr Baker. Thank you very much, Mr. President. Um, Would the Minister agree with me that uh, a proposition such as making bus travel free needs some really serious evaluation? That basic economics tells you that demand would would increase significantly, but that would drive significant capital requirements in terms of additional vehicles, significant additional operating costs. And um, just a simplistic make it all free is, is not the only approach that we've that the department could undertake. There's lots of other ways of improving bus utilisation, such as uh, the route selection and design, the timing of the service, and if we simply give everything away free, then it, it's not. This isn't going to hang together as a, as a e- e- economically and from a financial point of view. So that <coughs> this requires a lot of considered thought, and equally, the, the, a lot of personal. Responsibility for people about the decisions that they that they make, rather than expecting everything to be laid on a plate free of charge.
4: Thank you, uh, Mr. President. Uh, I, I do agree with yeah. that. With that <laughs> Thank you, Mr.
1: President. Um, very quick, short supplementaries, please. Would the Minister agree that rather than looking at it as a cost, um, financial cost on the Department, it's actually an investment potentially in the island Man's environment and active travel to make buses free? He also alluded one small point to Bus Free Fridays. So back to the original question, does the Department have any plans? Has it looked at modelling it? Is Bus Free Friday a possibility to trial the idea to get people out of their cars?
4: Thank you. I made two points. One, that we would await the climate change consultation, so I think that's been missed. My point wasn't making bus-free Fridays. It was about encouraging use on a Friday. Um, but I think the uh, the other member made a very valid point. If you made everything three, free, you'd have a structural problem with capital. You'd create massive bottlenecks. You'd create enormous costs. And, um, you know, I have a challenge to deliver savings and also deliver increased revenue. So... Um, I understand the point being made, but we need to wait for the consultation. We need to um, continue to invest in our bus travel, and we continue need to challenge our own selves in terms of can we make journeys in a different way.
0: That was Daphne Kane, M.H.K., asking Infrastructure Minister Ray Harmer about free bus travel back in May. After the break, we'll be joined by the man spearheading a campaign to see exactly that: public transport free to all. Vastamai, good afternoon. You're listening to Perspective on Manx Radio. If you're just joining us, we're talking about the idea of free public transport on the Isle of Man. And to
2: give his thoughts, we're joined by a man with some big ideas. Hi, my name is Devon Watson, um, and I am with the Fair Free campaign and the Climate Change Coalition. uh, And I am pushing for free public transport on the Isle of Man.
0: Tell us a bit where the idea came from first, if you could.
2: So we've been looking at ways of making climate change accessible uh, and action climate change accessible to ordinary people. And what we've noticed is that very frequently environmental concerns are things that make life difficult or inconvenient for average people. You just look at uh, paper straws from McDonald's, great initiative, but they're slightly inconvenient. Or if you look at electric cars, they're expensive and uh, out of the reach of average folks. Um, free public transport is one way of having an environmental campaign that's very good for working in middle-class families and working in average people. And that's not something that we've uh, seen frequently. And furthermore, we've seen this campaign and we've seen free public transport work um, in 97 cities where it has been implemented in the past. Very few times people ever go back. um, And people typically tend to get used to and really appreciate the service a lot more after it does become free.
0: 97 cities. So let's jump on that first. Um, what other comparable examples have you, have you looked at elsewhere?
2: Oh, two spring to mind. So first is uh, Tallinn in Estonia. Um, and Estonia has had such a successful um, run of making public transport free within its capital city that it's rolling out free public transport to the rest of the country as a whole. Uh, we've seen Luxembourg, who is going to be introducing uh, free public transport throughout the country, the first country on earth to sort of make it free. And we've also seen Dunkirk in France, which is probably the most exciting example, because they don't have any cards or any sort of uh, friction involved within the process. They've seen uh, people have just started leaving their cars at home and jumping on buses that leave every 15 minutes from scheduled stops. Um, It's given people a lot more freedom. They make trips that they otherwise wouldn't make. um, And their budgets, um, their household budgets, go a lot further.
0: Tell us a bit about the Estonian example to start with, because from the sounds of things, it started in maybe quite a, quite a concentrated geographical part of the country, which they're then are looking to expand. Would you therefore want to maybe trial it in Douglas first, perhaps, for example, or would you be looking to go straight island wide?
2: I think that what we'd have to do is we have to be intelligent about these processes and sort of uh, trial it out. That would probably be a really good idea. Um, I think that having them on certain days, on certain routes to see uptake rates, uh, see whether it's a good idea or not before it gets rolled out. So Tallinn, when we look at it, it's a city of half a million people um, is where it was tried. Um, But smaller examples, Dunkirk has about 90,000. So it's comparable to Mm. Alman's population and geographic size, roughly. But yeah, Tallinn was about half a million people and it worked quite well there, and they started doing it on main routes and then sort of spreading it out into lower ones. So, I mean, even if we had a trial within Douglas itself, it'd be interesting to see uptake rates.
0: Who works with you on this idea? Because we've seen it as, um, for example, at the time is now March, we spoke to you a little bit there, um, and other members of the Climate Change Coalition. Is it something which you're spearheading, or is it something which is more of a, a collective aim, maybe?
2: Uh, it seems to be a collective aim. So um, I, I just happen to speak, but there are a lot of people involved. So this is a uh, campaign that is supported and advocated by the Climate Change Coalition, but there's a lot of other groups that have signed up and uh, have voiced support for it as long as it doesn't have uh, sort of uh, various negative impacts. So we've had support from McVannon, we've had support from the Labour Party, the Green Party, we've had support from uh, various unions, we've had support from certain churches. Um, there seems to be quite a large group of activists, charities, um, individual people, and just ordinary Manx citizens who seem to be getting behind the idea, this is moving into a mainstream position and it's becoming harder and harder for government to ignore. Why is it appealing?
0: I mean, you've mentioned a bit about the environmental credentials, perhaps, of it as an idea. Um, Are there other
2: reasons? I mean, so frequently when people interact with the government, it's often in the form of a punishment or a reprimand or a restriction of some sort. I mean, can you think of the last time you interact with government? I mean, it's October now, so probably tax time. Um, but generally, it's in the form of a fine or a rule or a restriction or some sort of uh, difficulty or barrier placed in your way. Free public transport sort of uh, hits in another way in the fact that it is a core example of government serving people. We have an average income on the Isle of Man, um, of eighty to $88,000 uh, a year which translates to about £85,000 at the higher end. So many people don't see the actual wealth of the Isle of Man. And it'd be great for people to actually get some sort of benefit from the labour that they put into the economy every day.
0: So is this a socialist idea, do you think?
2: I think that the problem with um, labelling things in that regard is that it turns us off uh, certain ideas that are good or uh, it leads us to support certain ideas that would be bad. I mean, people could slander the NHS as a socialist idea. It doesn't make the NHS any worse. I mean, it, the NHS is probably one of the best performing healthcare services in the world. Um, free fire services, free police, free parks, free um, childcare, um sort of support for uh, schools that you don't have to pay school fees for, or well, socialist ideas, also the end of child labour. So I think despite that, this is an idea that benefits all people on the other man, and it's also great for businesses because they get access to a more mobile workforce.
0: Well, that, that's my next question, really. Who Who's it targeted at, or, or isn't it, perhaps?
2: Um, so what we would probably see is we wanted to benefit everyone who wants access to transport but currently doesn't have it or has to pay a lot for it. So we've got about 10,000 people in the Isle of that regularly or semi-regularly ride the bus, which is quite a high proportion of our population if you compare it to other countries. Um, so I'm hoping them and those families would benefit from it most. I mean, if you go to Ramsey and back every day um, on the bus, you're spending about a little over six quid. If you're working a minimum wage job and you're pulling in a little bit less than £8 an hour, this is a big chunk of the money that you get every day as well as your commuting time.
0: So we, we can say, anecdotally for some people, they may be spending an hour of their working day in terms of income anyway, yeah. just just to get there, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, they're spending an hour of their working day on the bus and then they're also spending an hour working day in terms of lost income on the bus. Um, and when you're already at the bottom of the wage scale, this is in a massive, massive impact. So all the money that they save on fares ends up getting spent on childcare, will be spent on down at the pub, or be spent on making improvements to the home, or maybe saving up for a mortgage at some point, or saving up for education. These will be really good. In addition, we think that this is really great for people who... Um, want access to the transport system, but don't have a car. So there's a lot of people who are just incapable of driving, people who um, can't drive, uh, people who are somehow restricted from this, and also folks that are too young or too old to drive. Currently, they still pay, uh, sometimes at reduced rates, but they still pay, and this makes like transport and moving around in the Isle Man, uh, a lot more inclusive. So we're hoping that if, if you ever jump on a free bus at any point, this will be something that's of great benefit to you.
0: You said before that it's becoming more of a, a mainstream ideal. What discussions have you had with MHKs or other members of Timwalt?
2: A lot of MHKs are not uh, sort of uh, 100% okay with coming out fully for it before they've seen the impact or they've seen uh, Professor Curran's uh, climate report. Um, But I think this is a good idea despite that because it's good for average, ordinary working people. Um, we've seen um, some folks like Daphne Kane voice support uh, within Tinwald uh, Tin itself. We've had a discussion with a couple of folks within uh, various committees um, about looking at financing options for it. Uh, a few people have come out quite strongly against it uh, before they've spoken to us. And we've also had a bit of difficulty getting uh, DUI to respond to our emails. Um, at this point, it feels a bit like I'm a, a clingy ex boyfriend sort of sending, a, please, uh, please get in contact with us. We can try and make this work at some point. But yeah, in general, people seem to be quite supportive of it in private. And I think once they see political will from the public, they'll be a lot more likely to sort of trialling or looking at this idea in more detail.
0: The concept sounds great. I mean, I haven't got the bus in quite a while. If I knew it was free, maybe I would. And I think a lot of people might be in the same sort of scenario. How would it be paid for? That's really what it boils down to, isn't it? I think in a lot of people's eyes.
2: Uh, Yeah, so that's probably the biggest question we get. Um, Currently, uh, we spend about 17 mil on the buses. Um, fares bring about 4.5 million. They already run at quite a significant loss. What we'd want to do is we want to change the conceptualization of the bus service. Currently it's viewed as a for-profit business, which runs at a massive, massive loss. It's easier to view it as a national service, as a cost centre, something like police, something like the fire service, something like national parks, something like healthcare from there. So, so
0: it would become fully nationalised, first of all.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. BuzzFan is already a nationalised company, but we'd hope for it to become fully nationalised and, and free at the point of uh, service. But where does it 4.5 million come from? So there's a range of, of considerations within that. So we could look at the fact that... Um, Where the government otherwise spends money to see is 4.5 million a large sum so 27 million lost on the uh, film industry we've just approved 7 million in cost overruns for the ferry terminal in liverpool we spent 126 million pounds on the steam packet Uh, the government has incredible amounts of money to allocate resources toward uh, things of national importance at the drop of a hat with very little prior approval um, we can imagine this is probably going to get more scrutiny than the other ways that they spend their money.
0: Would, would 4.5 million be per year?
2: Uh, 4.5 million be per year, yeah. And we'd probably envisage a bit more to improve, improve the bus services. But there's a lot of places that it could come from. Currently, uh, maybe a 1% uh, uh, tax increase on corporations. Uh, it would still be the lowest tax um uh, jurisdiction in europe by far the other lowest is hungary so where else are these companies going to go especially if they're operating within the uk market that would raise significant amounts of revenue currently working in middle class people pay um almost all of the taxes for very very little uh, receipt of government services I, and I,
0: I, I can't speak on behalf of the council of ministers i would i would guess that raising corporation tax is probably very unlikely can you see any other models perhaps
2: uh, yeah, yeah, there's a range of different models. So you could tax uh, d- products that have a d- disproportionate environmental impact. Um, we could increase sort of various um, fines for sort of uh, inappropriate or, or damaging behavior. Um, we could essentially, the way the cost breaks down into to is £72 a year per person or £6 per month. Currently, the government budget per person is roughly around... Uh, 12,000 pounds per year what the government spends so reallocating resources within the government budget This is about 0.4% of the national budget that would need to be increased in this regard Which is probably in line with average increases in budget anyway um, uh, We've seen the government budget rise over the past 10 to 20 years um, from uh, Little under a billion to over a billion and this will probably be in line with those increases Also, it was reported by Manx Radio on the 4th of July this year, that there was a budget surplus of about 30 million pounds. So the amount of budget surplus we have running from uh, last year alone could fund and sustain this for um, about seven or eight years. So the money is there. We just have to make the decision, do we want to allocate it toward this resource? Um, Furthermore, um, we could take a portion of the um, funds that we would have to spend on alleviating things like congestion anyway. So if you um, drive on our roads, you would notice the fact that like, congestion is terrible. So we're going to have to spend money on alleviating congestion either through wide road widening um, and destroying the homes and, and businesses in order to accommodate the road widening. Or we could just make public transport free and get more people into them. So these are just uh, part of uh, infrastructure costs anyway. Um, there are a number of other ways in which costs do fall. So you've got administrative costs, so you don't have to uh, maintain, run and uh, control ticketing machines. You don't have to pay people to come through and inspect and police bus drivers. But I would guess
0: with the big uptake in usage of the bus services, were they to be free, I presume you would need more buses, more drivers. Yeah, Demand would, would rocket, wouldn't
2: it? Demand would rocket. Um, but what we currently have in the Alaman is there are already quite a few uh, buses that run empty. We've run a whole bunch of minibuses, so buses that otherwise run empty could sort of be replaced by minibuses, and the larger buses could run on more frequent routes. And also if the buses ran more frequently, then you would have a um, less of an issue when it comes to having um, the empty bus problem, which is another problem that we would solve in that regard. But one thing that we could do as a way of alleviating this problem is if we brought in green electric buses or hybrid buses, then this could cover the shortfall. And this is something we should be doing anyway as we look to decarbonise our economy and decrease the amount of carbon produced from your average bus. So
0: would you like to see free public transport with the island's or with Bus Busvanen's current stock of vehicles? Or would it only be appropriate if you had hybrid or even electric vehicles coming in, do you think?
2: Um, the amount of carbon produced from uh, an ordinary bus is about similar-ish to about four or five cars. Um, when your average car has about 1.3 people in it as its average um, uh, um, average person per car.
0: Is, is that for commuters or is that just for, for everybody?
2: For everybody in general. Uh, if you were to go onto the road, you'd see about one person per car generally. Um, So we think that even having free public transport with the current stock would probably be really, really good. And then with the increased demand and uptake, we could add electric or hybrid vehicles to cover that shortfall. We've already seen electric vehicles work really, really well around the world, um, particularly with 420,000 in China, mostly because they're much, much cheaper to run. They've got much lower maintenance requirements, um, much more economy in relation to uh, fuel. So it makes sense fiscally, which is why they're doing it at the end of the day, and we could introduce a cost savings here as a way of making up some revenue.
0: People who argue in favour of electric vehicles generally, but also of electric buses, think that the Isle of Man's quite a good example just because of the geographical size and the, the, lots of the criticism that comes for electric vehicles is to do with their range, am I mm. right? So you would think that's negated a little bit perhaps on a contained community?
2: I mean, that would be negated on a contained community. It it is a a good point. So I think that also there are many routes that don't have a particularly large amount of uh, range. So routes, in Ramsey is quite flat within itself. Um, Routes uh, throughout the north could be quite easily accommodated through electric vehicles. Um, routes between smaller towns and villages at first and as uh, we've already seen it work in quite hilly regions I mean there are 460,000 electric buses operating around the world at the moment unless the Al-Aman has sort of like um, physics that are different from the rest of the world uh, then it should be possible to roll these things out here too
0: I presume without, without going and surveying people I would presume the main scepticism both in Timwald and in the general public comes from comes from the costing model basically how's this going to be paid for Mm. what research have you done to try and gauge a how viable it would be and b what people's views are on that
2: yeah so luckily the government has done um some of the research for us and when they released the climate change consultation survey in march so since then our campaign's been working well and we can presume the numbers will be higher but from the uh, little over a thousand people that responded to the survey um we found that uh, 79% of people were in support of free buses. Most were unsure, and it was only about like 9% or so who were like, um, upset with the idea. So in general, people seem to be quite supportive when you speak to ordinary average people in the street. They're supportive when you talk to people on the bus. They're supportive when you tell people that... There'll be less hassle with parking as more people leave their cars at home. When you tell them there'll be less congestion, when you tell them there'll be less air pollution, people will be happier. But another way of talking about the costs is you also have to change the way we think about the economy to a large extent. So we envisage this to a large extent as a Keynesian stimulus. And by Keynesian stimulus, what you mean is when you put more money into the hands of average people, that money doesn't disappear. So the 4.5 million or the 6 million doesn't sort of uh, get eliminated or destroyed from the economy, rather it continues to circulate. So every pound I don't spend giving to the government on the buses, I end up spending... um, in the local pub, I spend on childcare, I spend on healthcare, or I spend on sort of making my life better, or educating myself, or investing, or putting into stocks, or putting into the bank for the future. And what happens is, the person who gets that money will also spend that money. So I spend that money at the pub. Then the pub owner ends up spending it on retrofitting or getting new glass or glazing or adding an extra beer tap. And then the person who installed that ends up spending that money elsewhere. That money s- uh, circulates, and as that money circulates, makes the economy grow. It's called the multiplier effect. But that's government's job, isn't it? A
0: redistribution of
2: wealth, I guess. Essentially, that is the point of government, is to redistribute uh, certain amounts of wealth from people who are doing really, really well to people who are struggling, but we currently don't see that. What we've seen, rather, over the past several years is a massive series of cuts in programs. So we've seen the amount of... um We've seen benefit programs cuts, particularly to people like single mothers, people, um, childcare nursery programs have been cut. Research programs have been cut. There have been an extraordinary amount of cuts made to services over the past year, simply so we can run a surplus at the end of the day. Um, and it's time that if that money is coming from us, ordinary, average, working and middle class people anyway, there should be no problem in demanding that some of that money gets spent back on us when the money has been taken from us. So, I mean, that would be one of the roles of government, and hopefully if they do take up this idea, they would be uh, picking up that role once again.
0: Let's talk a bit about the future, because this is at reasonably early stages of consideration, I would guess, at least in in, uh, in Timwald terms. We're seeing, as you've mentioned, Professor Curran reporting back um, in a couple of months' time with his plan for transferring the Isle of Man to becoming net carbon neutral at some point in the future is it deliberate then that this kind of coincides with that maybe
2: uh yeah so the campaign's been running for a, a few months and it's a happy coincidence that he sort of um came to the island before then um, well it's less so sort of a coincidence it's more the fact that like there have been escalating amounts of um action and pressure on government to actually do something uh there is a small vocal minority of people who deny the existence of climate change but the vast, vast majority of the Allemans population, as well as the vast majority of of people who are aware of the science agree on this. And government is aware of this, and they are are fully cognizant of the fact. And we've made it impossible for them to ignore. So when the science backs up um, taking action on climate change, and ordinary average citizens and working families take action on climate change, generally these trends are all going to coincide to an escalating amount of pressure that's going to make it unavoidable at some point in the future.
0: We heard Ralph Peake when... um the climate emergency was discussed in Timwald, we heard him say about bringing the public with them, them being Timwald, I guess, or the politicians or government. And do you think the same problems are foreseeable for the Fair Free campaign?
2: I mean, this would... um, I think the opposite is, is in fact, true, rather from the fact that, like, because this is a a cause championed and uh, sort of pushed by average, ordinary working people, um, it's rather a case of the population is ahead of the government and we need to bring the government along with us in this regard. We think that that's something that could be potentially quite good, bringing the government along with us so that they can start um, uh, listening to other people. This isn't really a sort of thing where the government has to worry about a massive sort of public public backlash. With when this is a grassroots campaign by ordinary average people.
0: What comes next for you guys and for your campaign? Is it a case of lobbying MHKs? Is it, is it a case of coming up with a... A fully-costed proposal? Is it a case of public yep. discussions? What's what's on the horizon?
2: Yeah. So uh, we are already aware that it works, the campaign, because if it's worked in Dunkirk, if it's worked in Estonia, it works in countries that are far poorer than the Isle of Man. We know that it works at the end of the day. Um, we're currently working on getting the numbers together. We want to work with one or two folks within Treasury to get full total costings so that in- politicians can make, like, informed and intelligent decisions in this regard on the basis of this but our campaign itself has uh, several more phases so uh, we'll be having a public discussion on the 4th of November at the Legion where we advocate and we explain our position and we answer questions from the public in this regard um, we'll be hosting meetings around the island we'll be lobbying individual MHKs having conversations with them providing them our research and showing that it's good sound policy and ideas um, but from there, like protests in general are probably not going to stop until they listen to us. Um, we've managed to get hundreds of people onto the streets over a series of weeks. Um, and these are people who are going to be voting at the end of the day. Um, politicians are going to come forward and say that, well, uh, we've delivered X, Y, and Z, but if they've not listened to us and if they have not delivered on us, those same people who've been out there and have been asking for change are also going to be canvassers, door knockers, people who stand for elections. Um environmentalists on the Isle of Man, working people, working class people, middle class people aren't going anywhere. But politicians themselves are easily replaceable. Um, And we need to make that abundantly clear. So if we can't lobby, then we're going to have to move toward more electoral means of sort of getting our views across. There's a perception,
0: right or wrong, that environmental issues or green issues in inverted commas bring about a bit of a generational divide, perhaps in opinion. Generally speaking, again, I say a perception, younger people are more more amenable to this kind of idea. Hmm. Is that something you find with the Fair Free campaign, too, so far from people you've spoken to?
2: I mean, there is generally a perception that it is a generational thing. But what we've noticed is that this campaign and the climate change movement in general... Um, uh, we've not seen this generational divide. and This has been one of the very few campaigns that has managed to unite people. We've had people in Friends of the Earth, uh, Amnesty International, Christian Aid, who are far older than I am and have far more energy and vigor when it comes to advocating and pushing these campaigns. They've been doing them for 30, 40 years. We've had folks in McVannan who have been um, working for 40 years to get the government to take environmental issues seriously. So this is something that we're particularly learning from older folks on. And we're getting their input there seems to be a lot of enthusiasm from younger folks who've never experienced a government that's provided them direct benefits um we've seen a government that has pretty much uh taken away um access to free buses from kids we've seen a government that's uh, taken away um uh, free university tuition from younger folks we've seen housing prices jump so young people are struggling There's a lot of young people who are raised middle class but will probably never make it into the middle class itself because of massive increases in costs we've seen throughout the economy as a whole and no support from government. So naturally, they're going to be more supportive. We just need to uh, do a lot better job of showing that the benefits are spread amongst everyone. There might be some older folks um, who are against it, but then in the same regard, we'd also see younger folks who are deeply against it. So the general rational divide will only exist if we make it one.
0: One thing we haven't discussed, which is... um Worth mentioning, I guess, is people of a certain age get free public transport now, don't they?
2: Um, I think that they used to get completely free public transport, but now uh, the silver card rather provides things at a much reduced rate. Um, uh, so, and also moves that sort of subsidize certain sections of the population um, get broken down quite quickly. So the problem with having uh, free public transport for only certain groups is that it's very easy to erode the rights and privileges and benefits of certain individual groups because uh, very young kids don't vote. The government found absolutely no problem with increasing charges on young kids because animals don't vote or whatever. It's easy to put like a 30p um, charge at getting dogs onto the buses because uh, older folks um, can't always um, uh, directly engage. With government on a confident basis, particularly when they've got a lot of other concerns as well, the government seems it's okay to take away um, certain privileges that they receive. The you only way to guarantee this right is to make it free for all of us.
0: You say that, but they increased charges for school children, um this year or last year from, I believe, free to... About 50p. To, to a yeah. kind of nominal charge. Yeah. There was quite a bit of... Um, response from parents on that wasn't there
2: yeah i mean there was a big, a big response there was a big backlash but because this was a ride taken by a slum a, a slim and uh, from not a wide-ranging number of people i mean there was a lot of kids who were disadvantaged a lot of parents were disadvantaged but the government was easily able to just sh- shrug off that concern um Because uh, they're quite aware that, like, they can just sort of ignore until the next elections and they'll pretend as though things are okay, Um, And then they hopefully the people will ignore it. Um,
0: I should self-correct, actually, because I think it went from free to a small charge and then that small small charge charge, increased recently, didn't it? That's right. Just Uh, for clarification.
2: Yeah, we've been speaking to people in the Student Climate Network and the 10p that they introduced initially. It sounds reasonable, 10p, right? But that's where it starts. But it adds up, right? It really does add up. And eventually, uh, now it's about 50, or they're in plans to increase it to larger than that. I'm not familiar. It's been a while since I've been a school child. Um, Me too. (laughs) Far too long. Um, But uh, what ends up happening is that uh, a lot of folks within the Student Climate Network have told us that it's far more affordable to simply get in the car and uh, have people drop you off rather than catch the bus um, from your home um and that is really unfortunate that these increased costs are pushing people away from public transport and into private vehicles which just add to traffic and congestion at the end of the day
0: have you done any sort of comparisons with a family of three a family of four getting a car versus getting the bus which is more profitable you said the average users of a car is something like 1.3 people per car Mm. um at what point does that change do you see what i'm getting at because in If, in theory, if you have a full car, a car is going to be uh, more more financially viable for you, isn't it? Yeah.
2: Minute? I mean, what we find currently is that uh, taking a bus, even for a single person, is sometimes uh, more expensive than taking a car. Because currently I have to take, um, when I get a bus in from Onken to Douglas, it is about pound thirty um from that distance fuel doesn't cost £1.30 to drive me from uh Anken to Douglas so it's already more expensive and those costs only increase as you have more and more people so is, prob- is,
0: is it a direct comparison though because in that instance I presume you'd probably have to pay for parking
2: too oh uh, you pay for parking you pay for insurance you pay for uh sort of maintenance on your car there's a lot of like hidden uh, costs that aren't quite absorbed mm. but those costs sort of only increase um in general so we hopefully that free public transport sort of can alleviate the amount of otherwise money that would otherwise be spent on a transport budget but to your earlier question on the costs associated with um, being in a um the bus so i think for kids it's about 70p or so um so that's about 14 um uh, i mean sorry 1.4 pounds for um to take two kids onto a bus mm-hmm. as well as the two pounds 60 so about four quid in total to catch the bus for a family of four down to unkin eight pounds there and back which is um uh which will add up if this is something that you'd be doing every day as a family of four and that's probably the shortest possible distance that you can ride on the bus so if you get on a bus to ramsey where the individual um cost is about three pounds um 10 or £3.60, uh, the costs only increase the further distance you go with larger and larger groups of people. So hopefully free public transport makes it easy and affordable to travel uh, in groups of people again.
0: This event on the 4th of November. Mm. Um, tell us a bit more and tell us about what's what's billed.
2: Okay, so we're hoping to, um, we're using the Legion on the 4th of November uh, at 7pm. Um, we're going to be giving discussions uh, where we provide uh, costs and uh, detailed going into of how we seek to achieve this, why are we looking for this and the potential benefits. So we'll be running in- through into some of the more detailed benefits. We've got to be listed about 20 or 15 things that are generally improved on the Alamand as a result of this, um, such as improved air quality can uh, increase mental health, can increase um uh, health in general and reduces health costs throughout the economy. So we we'll go into details like that. And also it's a place where um, activists, people who are curious, people who don't like this are more than welcome to come and actually speak to us about our proposals and our ideas. We really want to be challenged on this. We want to be engaged. And if our ideas are wrong, we want to be challenged before we bring this out further. So we're hoping of getting the first uh, 200 people generally get led in to the venue. Um, otherwise it's a bit of a fire hazard. And um, mm-hmm. But yeah, and that should be running for about an hour. And at the end, you can grab a drink. There is a bar there. So, I mean, that's always good.
0: Have you experienced much resistance and skepticism so far?
2: I mean, uh, uh, resistance and skepticism is uh, always more profound online than it is in the real world. When you actually speak to people, people are quite skeptical. Um, but as you run through the, the benefits at the end of the day and how small the costs are in relation to the total government budget and how small they are in relation to the total economy, they actually uh, tend to come around. Um, but we have uh, experienced a bit of resistance from like the usual sort of keyboard worry a lot. But after a while, most people, once they see the examples of where it's worked elsewhere in the world, they think mm, maybe we can actually start demanding more because people in general have been taught to uh, life can only get worse. Um, They expect bad things, and we can't add additional government services. We can't make the government more caring and more responsive to us. And once you say, well, actually, there is some activism, there's some sort of pressure to make life better for ordinary average people, people actually get a bit of hope. Um, They become more receptive to the idea. And if we win free public transport, if we win at this in the end of the day, then people can start demanding better. I mean, we won't have to cut pensions. Um, we might be able to live in a fairer economy, we might be able to get increased uh, provision for education at some point in the future. This is a part of a broader fight of working middle-class people actually getting what they put into the economy. Um, Incomes for average people haven't risen much uh, after you take away inflation and additional housing costs since the 70s.
0: How about people who don't get the bus now, don't really have any reason to, don't wish to? How are you going to persuade those people?
2: Uh, a campaign of fear and terror, no, um, uh, the, the way that we persuade them is that even if you're a driver and you never ride the bus, the fact that your average commute time will go down if there's less congestion. If you have to drive in from uh, Castle Town, this shouldn't be an incredibly long journey, but it becomes a really long journey once traffic's added. Also once more people leave their cars at home, parking is easier for you. So the amount of time average drivers uh, spend uh, in traffic and parking throughout their lives is incredible. I think there was one study that came out of the States that said that your average driver spends about two weeks of their lives in total waiting on traffic lights. If your driving experience is better, then you benefit from this at the end of the day. Also, as an average person, uh, when the economy is healthy and there's more money in average people's hands, if you own a small business or you're a person who works in a... Uh, Ordinary company or you serve Manx customers if they've got more money in their pocket It's much much better for you at the end of the day. It's the same as any sort of national service It makes us all richer. It increases the total amount of money. We would otherwise have collectively
0: Can you ever replace the practicality of having your own vehicle people who've been in my car will know that it's usually Full of half of my material belongings <laughs> for each journey and um, I'm not sure I'd be um, Thanked if I did the same on the bus, but in all seriousness the ability to have things with you in your own personal vehicle can't be replaced can it really
2: oh no definitely not um
0: so it's not quite a transferable service if you get what i'm get what i'm
2: saying yeah so what we're hoping for is um we aren't looking uh, to make the things perfect um so there's a lot of instances where there's a lot of people who inevitably have to use the car um quite frequently so if you're doing multiple connecting journeys if you're delivering something if you're getting groceries yeah this is something that is uh quite that it's necessary to have private car ownership for in some instances but we're hoping that even if you have a car and we introduce free public transport there'll be a lot more instances where you ride the bus in general so it might be limited to trips where you have to make multiple connecting stops you have to go somewhere deep into the and you there's there's no public transport if you happen to be particularly rural um, this is something that's going to be applicable to you um, but there may still be instances where if you happen to be in Douglas you ride the bus from point A to point B you end up uh, using the connecting services within cities you benefit in general from the general economic stimulus that comes from it So we hope that you use the car less and you end up using public transport more as a result. And essentially, when there's no costs, there'll be no reason for you not to jump on the bus, at least sometimes.
0: We've heard from several members of the Council of Ministers and other members of government speak about the split priorities of this administration. You've obviously got political uncertainty overseas, climate change, uh, more generally speaking, um, public sector pensions just a couple off the top of my head, there are several big issues to be tackled. Why should this be a priority?
2: Well, this should be a priority because of those uncertainties. So if people don't know that, like, Brexit might be fine, it might not be fine, we don't know, I'm not taking a particular stance on this issue uh, right now. Um, But whether it's fine or not fine at the end of the day, that uncertainty means as though you want other certainties taken care of. Because of this general uncertainty we have in the world, we don't know what the economy more broadly might do, if I know that my transport is always completely covered, if I know that this is money I won't have to spend, this is the amount of budget that I've got guaranteed, that my family will always be okay uh, getting around at least, this makes life better and more stable, particularly when we're living in dangerous, uncertain times. If public sector pensions are an issue in the future, having a guaranteed way that people have the sort of economic freedom to move around, at least, is one way in which people's uh, economic rights and economic livelihoods are secured within this limited aspect. Um, Uncertainty means that we need other ways and other things that are far more stable in our lives, and creating a stable, reliable, dependent public transport service is the best way of sort of um, making sure that ordinary people are taken care of. Um, particularly when life is as uh, difficult as it is.
0: That was Devon Watson there of the Fair Free Campaign and the Climate Change Coalition. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. A reminder, that event discussing the topic is being held at the Manx Legion Club in Douglas next Monday, that's the 4th of November, starting at 7pm. You've been listening to Perspective on Manx Radio. Thanks for listening. Take care.